0: Welcome to the Lifelinks Leadership Podcast. Insight and training from leaders around our network. Here's your host, Ian Bird. Welcome again to another Lifelinks Leadership Podcast and we're excited this month to have a special guest. Often I interview people within our Lifelinks network, but um going outside to talk with Mark Buchanan. He's the Associate Professor of Theology at Ambrose University here in Calgary. He's also published 10 books or had 10 of his books published, and we're here today to talk to him about his latest book called God Walk, Moving at the Speed of Your Soul. I just want to say that Mark is also a really good friend. He helped me with my own book, Life is a Highway, and uh, also I really enjoy hanging out with him and some other guys in a group called Inklings here in Calgary. So Mark, thank you so much today, and welcome to our podcast.
1: Ian, it's such a pleasure, and I always enjoy spending any time with you.
0: Well, thanks. I, I'm thrilled to be able to unpack your book, which is so rich and uh, so enjoyable. I highly commend it to everyone listening. So let's jump in. We don't have a ton of time, but uh, I want to start off with regarding the obviously the reason behind your book. And uh, in chapter one, you talk about the catalyst, which is the suspicion that when people, that when the Bible talks about walking in the spirit or walking in the light or walking in truth, It means this in more than a figurative way. So can you begin to unpack that for us? How significant is walking? And kind of what's the overall theme behind your book?
1: Thanks, Ian. Yeah, if you think about the refrain scripturally around walking, it starts right at the beginning in the story of Adam in the garden, that God came in the cool of the day to walk with him. And then early on in Genesis, we hear, for instance, Enoch, Walked with God or Noah walked with God. And of course, we think of a famous verse such as Micah 6, 8. What does God require of you to do, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God? And that language actually grows and it builds when we get into New Testament, particularly the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John use walking as one of their primary ways of describing a life in Christ. So it's in the light or in faith, or we walk by faith or not by sight, et cetera. And what struck me, and, and as I say, a catalyst for writing this book, is that the language was more than figurative. We, we think of the language figuratively, that it's sort of a moving in or, or, or dwelling in or a uh, mulling over things of faith. Whereas these were people who their primary form of mode of transport was actually their their feet, their legs and their feet. And when when I think about say the apostle Paul, how much he actually was a foot and how much that was, I think, integral to his thinking through working out his identity in Christ, his theology, his how do you say this to some fractious group of christians down in corinth or whatever who are misbehaving in a thousand ways a lot of that would have been worked out i mean he sat down to write it but this addressing a congregation and how do i speak things of faith to this group of people who have never it's brand new to them they're a bunch of pagans from the you know the, the 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 temples roundabout, and I have to communicate uh, what the heart of God is to this group of people. I think he's working out how to say that and uh, what he himself believes about, et cetera, as he's walking. So that's why, I mean, I think it's, it's a beautiful metaphor, but we ought not to undervalue how much this probably was actually had attached to it a a real physical discipline of as they went they thought these things and worked these things out
0: well and you mentioned that too like just jumping right up to chapter seven you talk about how you felt like the disciples who spent all that time with jesus and you, you 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 think about how they would have done exactly what you're saying. They would have heard him speak to them, share with them. They're watching his life. And then as they walked all those miles together, maybe in little clusters, maybe alone, you just talk about how they probably were processing all that he um, shared with them. I think that that's a a powerful picture as well, that pedestrianism is actually a part of our um, Christian journey, like literally, um, and I, I wanted to ask you about that as far as um, the whole idea. You talk about three miles an hour mm. being kind of the, uh, the average walking speed, as it were, uh, and also how there's a lifestyle that, that in our hurried environment of our world, that three miles an hour is actually quite slow, but necessary, and, and maybe takes us back to an important reality maybe share about that for a moment
1: yeah let me quote a a theologian kosaki koyama and he uh, wrote a book back in the 70s called three mile an hour god and in the early part of the book i talk about his idea and i quote him so i'm going to quote him right now Uh, koyama said god walks slowly because he is love if he is not love He would would move much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, and yet it is lord over all the other speeds, since it is the speed of love. It goes on in the depths of our life, whether we notice it or not. And that last line is particularly telling uh, it goes on in the depths of our life, whether we notice it or not. The sense that God's at work when we slow down, when we move at the three miles an hour. So something's at work in us when we slow down enough to breathe, to be in touch with our body, our, our environment, the person beside us, the God around us, uh, it starts to do a work in us, even if we're not working at it, in in particular, that's the telling thing. And really, if 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 there is a kind of a central idea that I'm exploring in the book, it's that thing that goes on in us in the depths of our life, whether we notice it or not, while we walk. If we slow down, so really, in, in a lot of ways, Ian, the the core idea of this book and the subtitle captures it: moving at the speed of your soul, God walk, moving at the speed of your soul. That. I believe that we if, if we don't have some practices that slow us down and and yet at the same time kind of uh, awaken us so it's one thing to to be still I've written a book on Sabbath and explored yes. the concept of stillness but stillness can induce a kind of a lethargy or a kind of a, an obliviousness or, or sort of um, you know, we we become less attentive to our surroundings, where when you walk, you become, it's a heightened attentiveness to everything yourself, the person beside you, the the neighborhood. Um, So there's a sense where the slowing down is a necessary part of this connection that many of us are lacking and feel the lack of. We feel a lack of connection with our spouses or kids or neighbors or God are people that we attend church with because actually we're, we're moving too fast. Yes. So slowing down is, is not only, you know, if you go for a walk with a friend, it's a very different experience. Even if you go th- for a drive with a friend or sit for coffee with a friend, a walk starts to open something in most cases, I'm not trying to you know present it as some magic act or something, but it begins to open something in the relationship, in the conversation that often doesn't happen Elsewhere, but I would contend that actually this is in a sense this what Koyama talks about something going on in our depths that we is happening whether we're aware of it or not, and partly because you know, humankind for most of our history, that's how we got around. We walked <laughs> that's right. so, so so there's something in the sense that our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our spirits have been formed by and are maybe more informed through the act of walking than we are these other ways of getting around cars and motorcycles and planes. These are new things in the history of humanity. And it's, it's, it, it, you could make a fairly compelling argument that our souls are still lagging behind these devices that hurtle us around at, at great, great speed, but our souls just aren't, aren't suited to it.
0: Well, I really, I really like that picture that our soul is lagging behind basically God's speed. And you talk about that in your book, how many people see God moving very slowly over time. If you look at how things develop, Um, it seems to us as slow, um, but he walks outside of time actually. So it's not slow to him, but, but he's not in a hurry often. And we are in a hurry. And I like the fact of, of what you're saying. So in essence, your book is encouraging us to go back, in a sense, to the practices and disciplines that, that really can nurture our soul and help us get in tune well, with God.
1: Well, think about this, and this is also was a major prompt for me to write this book. If, if you look at most major religions, let's take Hinduism. Hinduism didn't invent yoga, but it certainly adapted yoga to its purposes, and so yoga is an older tradition than Hinduism, but Hinduism incorporated yoga into uh, it, part of its devotion and part of how you, you are a good practicing Hindu, you're probably going to do yoga. So there's a sense that, uh, that there is a recognition in Hinduism that there's no way of practicing a faith if you don't have a physiology or some physical discipline that helps you somehow embody it. Uh, And, and so we could look at most faith traditions having some corresponding physical discipline, except Christianity. And so it's bizarre when you think that Christianity is the, the part, you know, barn, the, 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 um, the premier faith tradition that at, at the core of it is incarnation, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. So this notion that it has to be lived out in the body or it's nothing, so Gnosticism is a great enemy of the Christian church, is the sense of the disembodiment of faith. And yet we have no corresponding physical practice unless it's walking. And that's part of the argument I make in the book is that, um, that it, walking was so integral to how people worked out their identity and faith within, within the, the scriptural tradition, both Judaism and Christianity, that nobody thought to mention it explicitly when they were reading you know, the Bible been writing and saying, Oh, by the way, the, the way you do all this is go for a long walk. And that's why coming back to your first comment, that's why I don't think the walking language so so prominent, so prevalent in scripture is merely metaphor. That when Paul says walk in the light or walk in truth, he's actually saying in, in your physical embodied self you have to be working through what the truth is, working through what it is to walk in righteousness and, and in the light of Christ and whatnot. So I don't think it's simply a mental exercise that these writers are advocating. I think they're actually saying in everything, well, walking, we do know the way it worked, mostly in a meta, as a metaphor in Bible times, is it had to do with a whole way of life. Yes. Um, how you conducted yourself and everything so uh, you know as you go as you come and as you go your entire way of life is encompassed or, or pictured by the act of walking but i'm saying physically that, 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 that you know you can't you can't sort of simply uh, all make that a, a sort of a metaphor about that we're we're you know sitting in a chair thinking about our faith that there has to be some physical embodying of this thing that we're invited to to know and live
0: that's really powerful i hadn't thought about that as far as religions and the physical embodiment and how walking is probably the main embodiment for for christianity you know what you just mentioned in chapter one uh you said that um christianity called referred to as the way suggesting it was not a set of doctrines to master but a path to travel and that's what you're talking about and so Uh, Jesus embodied that path literally with his disciples and then we walk with him and walk with each other you know you you also just to kind of play off that for a moment you talk in in your book about pilgrimages and uh, about uh, you know these going to places of remembrance places of significance to kind of spark something in our own spiritual journey Um, and then the other thing you 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 did that I really found interesting is you talk about pilgrimages versus marches. Yes. And, uh, you know, we've had a year of marches, right? Um, all sorts of issues have happened this year politically yeah. and even with regarding race. And there's been a lot of marches. And you talked about how, um, you know, there can be marching, but um, they're not necessarily through the marching recipients of change, whereas pilgrimage is something different. Can you maybe yeah. comment about that for a moment?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, that reflection came out of of just sitting and thinking about, you know, the history of long walks. I mean, prior to the idea of a pilgrimage, which really started up in the Middle Ages, but, you know, people go on long walks, but it's sheer necessity, you know, you, you, your you're, you're land burned down, you have to kind of now migrate over there. Uh, to find land or something but but in the middle ages a pilgrimage started and pilgrimages were they they had a number of components but the fundamental thing about a pilgrimage is seeking some some change some enlightenment within so i'm trying to meet god or i'm trying to it's it's a it's a it's a journey of penance for instance i've done something terrible and i need to kind of work that out uh, in terms of receiving God's forgiveness and, and becoming a different person. So at the heart of pilgrimages is, is, I want to be the recipient. I want to be the theater of change. Whereas a march is, I want to be the agent of change. Mm-hmm. So I don't like the way things are in society or politics. So I'm going to join and and march and we're going to advocate and shout and wear placards or something and get things changed. And I'm not, I'm not dissing that. I I think that a lot of good can come out of those sort of movements. And we know historically that some significant changes happened historically in various parts of the world, because particularly um, some stories of women, Uh, mothers in Peru or whatever, deciding they'd had enough of the death squads in, in taking to the streets brought significant change. So I am by no means trivializing that. But I think what's happened increasingly in our, as we've watched a shift from the pilgrimage to the march is that many people hit the streets to march so that they can change something out there. But if it's not attended by a simultaneous desire to change something in here, inside yes, of me, sense. I think that then we're, we're looking at uh, just, w- first of all, the kind of anger and polarization that now often marks out ch- uh, marches, uh, they're less friendly things <laughs> that they've been in the past. But also, I think that where um, the kind of hope for outcomes, which is not only do we change something in terms of people's. Uh, you know, I would love to see greater changes around, um, you, you know, the racism that still is so prevalent in our in our uh, world. I'd love to see a, a deep, deepening equality among people. And if marches help to achieve that, amen. But often, it, it, unless we're going on that march with a Uh, likewise sort of openness. God, um, am I the problem? You know, change me. Um, How do I become a person of peace? How do I become a person who genuinely sees the dignity and humanity of everyone around me? Unless we're, 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 that's kind of part of our desire and part of what we're seeking as we walk. I think that we're going to find increasingly marches are just sort of angry protests and they don't really bring, any kind of meaningful or lasting change. So if marches
0: on the external aren't preceded or concurrently having pilgrimages in our own lives, in other words, we're not growing, we're right. not trying to take a journey with God to be changed, then that, that outward aspect isn't going to change unless there's an in inward the entirety, I
1: mean, when you think about it, like this has probably gained more in recent years in terms of what distinguishes or characterizes a march. But you know, and this is, I'll say this bluntly, and it's a caricature. But a march is often we're right, you're wrong, we're going to take the streets and we're going to demonstrate we're right and you're wrong. (laughs) Whereas a pilgrimage was always undertaken, there's something wrong in me, and if I go on this long walk, uh, maybe God will meet me and Mm -hmm. I will become a better and different person. Wow, so I think if you could bring them both together, like again, I'm not trivializing the importance of marches, but if Somehow, as you said it so beautifully, if we could um, be pilgrim people who then, uh, out of the this sort of growing awareness of our own fallenness, frailty, failures, limits, uh, took to the streets to say, let's do this together. Let's find a way to move ahead together. Let's, um, let's confess our own need for god our own need for one another let's do that and 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 i guess if it was marked out by the, the spirit of humility that yes characterize a pilgrimage
0: i really like that that's so good i i would i thank you for commenting on that i found that really interesting thank as you. i as i read your book um, i want to change tack just for a moment here maybe shift and look at you know we, we talk about the spiritual benefits of walking which i want to dig into a bit more as well but you do spend time looking at the physiological benefits and also the benefits of walking in nature and and just even how God has worked it out that even as we... Could you just maybe comment on the physical aspect, the benefits physically, and then that nature piece as well?
1: Sure, I'd love to. Uh, the, the, the physical benefits, I mean, I think it's what most people start walking to, to do is just get more exercise, especially, you know, we're recording this in the midst of the ongoing pandemic and uh, at the moment we're doing this once again, gyms are closed down. And so walking has become the premier in some ways, the sole exercise for a lot of people and a lot of people who weren't exercising much started walking during the pandemic because they realized that even the little kind of exercise they're getting was now uh, unavailable to them. So, uh, I think a lot of people first go start walking to get exercise maybe lose weight but this, the research on it is extraordinary. in fact I quote in my book a, a Harvard doctor who says if we could make, invent a pill had no side effects um, and, it, and it reduced you know it, it reduced obesity it reduced mental health issues. It uh, increases the likelihood of longevity with health and this long, long list of physical benefits and and emotional benefits. If we could make a pill that did that, she said, uh, it would fly off the shelves. But we have the pill. It's a twenty to thirty minute walk a day. So good. And few people take it. Right? It's cheap. <laughs> it's free, and it's no side effects. Uh, and so uh, that was very convicting. I'm a, I'm a walker anyhow. In fact, just before we did this call, I went for, um, I, I usually try to walk about three uh, three to five kilometers a day. It was a shorter walk. It was 2.5 kilometers, but, but it's, it's, a, it's a bit over uh, a bit over half an hour. And so I'm trying to make at least my half hour and I feel it. I feel more energy. I'm 60 and I feel kind of like I got more gas in the tank than I've had at any point and all of that. So there's a physical, but the, uh, the, the, um, the nature walk thing, there's a couple elements I would like to comment on. One is you walk an uneven trail. So we're not even talking some rough trail, but if it's broken ground or it's not paved ground uh, there's stuff going on in terms of calibration of balance in terms of um, unbelievable amounts of how that it develops all these musk muscles in throughout your body, not just your legs and feet, but throughout your body, because that uneven surface is forcing your body to adapt. And uh, the micro adjustments around balance and things like that. I mean, it's extraordinary walking has been described as um, the art of, of um, almost falling or something to that effect. So I mean, <laughs> we're, we're pitching ourselves forward on one foot all the time. It's, it's, it's quite acrobatic. It is and, interesting. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. way. We've got this kind of rhythm for it. But if you're walking a broken trail, your your body is naturally kind of adapting to tougher conditions. And it's going to have a ton of benefits that you're not even aware of. So when I can, like today, uh, part of my trail that I walk today is paved. But I always try to get off trail a bit. There's uh, some areas where I can get off and walk and uh, you know, in the snow and in the dirt and stuff. So that's one. The other is um, the, the, if you can walk in the forest, and this is maybe um, more available in, say, uh, where we have lots of uh, coniferous forests. Uh, it would be true and deciduous, but they're, they're leafless in the winter. Uh, but there's a thing that uh, trees get off, especially coniferous trees uh, called uh, phytosides. I think I misspelled it in the book. I think I call them phytoncides, but it's phytocides. And it literally means kind of um, tree killing. But, but uh, the fragrance of trees, and, and, and this would be especially true with say cedars, a very, very distinct and very strong fragrance comes off a cedar tree. Uh, and native communities knew this forever. That they, they would f- uh, forest bathe. They would go and sort of wash themselves in the boughs of the cedar. And we, wow. a lot of a lot of uh, you know whites thought it was superstitious nonsense. No, actually, the healing power of phytocides, They protecting the tree. So these that fragrance is actually designed to protect the tree from a whole bunch of. Uh, infestations from insects and, and and invasive plants and all of that, but it actually has a, a proven physical benefit for humans too. As we breathe in that fragrance, it's doing it's building our immunity. For instance, Isn't that uh, Japanese knew this. They they actually they I forget the name, but the Japanese have a term that for centuries they've practiced forest bathing and indigenous cultures understood this. We're only now, and of course, white people need science to kind of validate it. Well, the (laughs) science is there. And so there is extraordinary benefit. If you have uh, woods nearby, and and again, especially if if there's some uh, coniferous trees in there, and you can walk and breathe, and uh, I have a friend who's teaching me to breathe better uh, he's saying that if you can breathe in and out through your nose, so n- n- you know normally we're taught breathe in through your nose yes. through your mouth. He says, and he's got all the science, breathe in and out through your nose. Uh, the increase of your um, of just even well-being, the sense of well-being, it actually has a psychological, emotional effect to walk in a forest with beautiful fragrances around you.
0: Well, that's powerful. Yeah, I I found that so interesting. And like you said, just even know that science, I think we all kind of instinctively know that when we, you know, there's something that mysterious about a a walk in the forest, but to know that there's that, that actual scientific um, benefit is really, really good. I I want to just also continue to look here. So many areas you, you just to kind of give a, a real summary, this book deals with Walking is attentiveness, being able to focus on details you don't see and how it slows us down to do that. Um, walking is remembering. It's a, a good opportunity for us to remember what God has spoken to us, remember various things. Um, you talk about walking as prayer. And uh, I thought maybe we'd just talk about that for a moment since, since people, you know, that is, that is something that prayer walking is a term that we've used but maybe if you had some some thoughts about that, and maybe in context with some of the other things I just mentioned, um, just how walking can be prayer and how that actually affects us.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ian, for that. I, um, I, I think that one of the things, coming back to the conversation we were having earlier about walking as it's discussed or, or described in scripture, walking in light, walking in faith is not merely metaphor, but an actual practice. I, I think that one of the fundamental things that the early Christians were doing beginning with Jesus was, was part of their prayer life was integrated with their walking or walking was integrated with her prayer life. And that there was a conversation ongoing with God, with the father Uh, through the spirit as they walked. And so I I imagined that, you know, as, as Jesus and disciples were coming up on the village of Tyre in, in um, Phoenicia and Lebanon, whatever, outside of Israel. And, and, uh, you know, a pretty important thing happens there where that woman begs Jesus to, to heal her daughter and Jesus, you know, after says, you know, it's not right, relents and heals the daughter. But I, I actually envision, and this is simply, you know, some holy speculation, holy imagination, but Jesus coming into one of those village is uh, himself would have practiced and taught his disciples to practice. men we're coming up to that village. Uh, and there's people that don't know the father. Um, there's people who are deeply, deeply lost. They're, they're, they're in incredible pain. Uh, the things that matter most to them have been taken from them by occupying forces or disease or the evil one or um, life has not turned out the way they had hoped uh, you know remember that guy that blind guy we met Maybe <laughs> whatever there could be people like that here yes men, men let's let's go in and let's pray uh, as we enter this community let's pray for this community for, pray for revelation pray for the father's blessing pray for opportunity pray that uh, god's going to open Uh, our eyes and the eyes of people here open doors for us pray for the right words etc uh holy spirit encounters god encounters anyhow whether they did that or not and i'd like to think they did that's what uh i've tried to do in my life is is kind of when you walk a neighborhood and so the beautiful thing is when you walk prayer walking you don't have to you know close clench your eyes and uh, in a sense, you hold everything before you. This person walking before you know toward you on the trail, you begin to bathe it in prayer, soak it in prayer. Lord, um, if if you wanna, if somehow that we get into a conversation and that great, otherwise, I'm asking you now as a person approaches me and me them bless them. Um, may somehow they, they they experience you and the, your touch and your goodness and your grace today. Well, you start actually seeing everything differently when so you're good. soaking it in prayer like that. And it's not taking any more time. In fact, it heightens attentiveness. It's not a distraction from paying attention. It involves and it heightens paying attention. Um, you know, I, I noticed creation. Oh, Lord, there's something wrong here. These trees don't seem to be thriving. Something's wrong in the soil. Something's wrong in your creation. God, could you come... And heal that or God, your creation is flourishing and it's delightful and it gives testimony to how good you are and creative, whatever, but you get the sense. And so, uh, so that, and then I taught, told the story in the book about actually our church going on prayer walks.
0: Yes, I like that.
1: <laughs> and how extraordinary it really was uh, because, you know, one of my contention throughout the book is you can drive your neighborhood 1000 times and never really notice your neighborhood or your neighbors. You can walk at once and you'll start noticing stuff that the person who lives three doors down, yes, uh, the poodle true. they have, um, the gnome in their garden, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like you start you start to see the thing. And so we found when we prayer walked that not only were we seeing the neighborhood in ways different from, from we experienced it driving in and out, but we met the neighbors in ways that, so good and and it's so one one of the things that was astonishing how many conversations we got into with neighbors many of which turned to things spiritual we weren't out evangelizing but there was this uh this natural kind of emerging or this uh, kind of flow in the relationship or or the conversation what are you guys doing out here well we 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 go to that church down there and we just love to come and pray for the neighbors in the neighborhood and things going on. Do you need anything to pray for? And it sometimes be a moment of awkwardness, but then they'd say, well, actually my kid's not doing so well.
0: I'd
1: mm-hmm. love to pray. Is there anything specific? You don't have to feel an honor or obligation to divulge anything, but yeah. You know, he got, came home the other day, he got sent home. He caught with drugs, totally shocked. His mom and I, we didn't know that was going on. Thought he mm-hmm. was a good kid. Yeah, I'd love to pray, you know, so things yes. like that happening. And it was in the end, it felt very natural. So
0: good. Yeah. And and I think that that's what inspired me as I read that in your book is just this is natural way of living. Um, I want to finish off with one more thought. Yeah. We're almost out of time. We could go on and on. But oh, there okay. is one more <laughs> one more thought. And I want to encourage all of you again to get this book. Um, because there's so many ways um, Mark talks about walking. Walking is healing. Um, it's just powerful. But I want to look at one last area that would affect or impact many of you. And he talks about walking with animals. And I love that. I love the chapter, walking with animals. And, and here's, here's a quote that you make. You say, walking a dog is at the sacred core of having a dog. And, you know, I, would, I don't have an animal like that. I don't, have, I don't have a pet and I don't have a dog. And it would have to be because I see so many people out walking their dogs all the time. I mean, it's just part of having a dog, at least to be a good owner. Um, but you, you mentioned something in there I want you to please comment on. You talk about how that activity of, of like walking a dog and other things like that, that are kind of mundane. But you, you talk about um, faithing your practices, using, using the things we have to do, but actually faithing them. Could you explain what that means? Because I really like that concept.
1: Yeah. So uh, a number of years ago, a friend came up with this idea that often we're encouraging people to practice their faith. And we usually mean by that classic spiritual disciplines around scripture reading and giving and evangelizing, all of which is good. But he said, what if we flip that and we started to faith our practice? So things that we're doing, like washing dishes, going for walks, walking dogs, driving cars, um, shopping for groceries. So stuff we have to do that we often feel kind of a grudging duty in it. Um, what if we started to faith the practice? In other words, we, 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 we made it into a way of living out our faith. Mm, so... so you know, you're driving the car. Well, you have to commute from wherever you live to wherever you work, and uh, there's usually some traffic involved in that and all of that. But what if you said this 20 minutes that I'm driving to work is a time of actually this prayer? You know, I, I I'm always complaining I don't have enough time to pray. Well, guess what? I have 20 minutes every Good. day. Yeah. Like, commute back. Um, or, or one thing I've been trying to do is now that, you know, we have Bluetooth built into all our vehicles. Um, I'm terrible at phoning, but I'll be driving down and think who haven't I, you know, contacted or who I think is God put on my heart. I, you know, I just press the thing. It's amazing how many times, especially I guess during COVID people are away, you know, they're available. Hi, Hey, you got a minute. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what's up? But I just wanted to talk. <laughs> Um, I so it, it interesting just before we, we, we got together, I did this walk, but I, I remember this friend and I not, hardly ever phone where I'm walking. I just walk and I thought, oh, I haven't connect with that friend. I just phoned him up and we had the, we had half hour chat. It was fantastic. So stuff like that where you say I'm gonna make the things I'm having to do normally doing they're, they're these quotidian, you know, errands or whatever, I'm going to actually face them and they're going to be part of how I engage with God and God's creation.
0: So good, so rich, and I, I really like it. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to look at other ways I can faith the practices that I have to do every yeah. day. Thanks so much, Mark. Again, um, I'm going to have you pray for us in just a moment, but I want to mention something I didn't at the top end of this interview that um, this book actually is included in the Forbes magazine. Top 20 nonfiction books to read of 2020. We're right at the end of the year when we're doing this interview, okay. and I want to encourage you to uh, to to follow what Forbes is saying and get a copy of this book. Also, um, you know the other book that um, Mark is alluding to called "The Rest of God," which deals with Sabbath. It's a best-selling book. Um, I would encourage you to get that as well if you want to deal with topics related to this, as far as Sabbath and. The rest of God and and just pursuing a relationship. The other thing is he's got a great series of books. His first one, David Rise, was released this year, and he's he's going to have a trilogy on the life of David. Mm-hmm. And I'd recommend that as well. That's his uh, fiction book. Uh, he's a tremendous writer. He's a creative writer, even in nonfiction books, but especially as he starts writing these fiction books. Mm-hmm. So I just want to commend those books to you. And um, Mark, I wanted if you'd finish off by just praying for our network. Um, of leaders the uh, leaders listen to this and, and just others as well in the congregations. If you just pray for us regarding learning about this walking and being those who follow um, walking with God, would you do I'd that, please?
1: Love to, love to and Thanks for the privilege. Your network's called LifeLinks, right? LifeLinks, that's right. Okay. I would love to. God, I do thank you for my friend, Ian, and the rich, rich friendship we have. I've built over many years our mutual love for you, our mutual love for writing. And thank you for uh, his book, Life is a Highway, the impact it's had on me and many, many other people. God, I pray for all those in this network, Life Links Network. What a great name uh, that we are linked by our life in you, the life that is, is, comes from you, the life that you sustain. God, I pray for all those in this very difficult season. It's always a difficult season to be a, a church leader. Uh, Father, uh, it's one of the dangerous jobs. that doesn't get on the shows about dangerous jobs. But this job that imperils our, our hearts in many ways, that stretches us beyond what we think we can bear in many ways, that doesn't remunerate us well, but god i think of these these faithful servants yes. that do this not for the accolades not for the pay but they do it because of the love that you shed in their hearts the love for the gospel the way christ has met them god would you continue to sustain these servants of yes. the most high god would you continue to give them dreams and visions would you continue to give them Energy. would you would you continue to take away their fear that they've not been made slaves to fear subject of fear but they've been given a spirit of sonship by which they cry abba i pray father you would continue to give them innovation as they navigate the pandemic and how to minister well within it and uh, energy and strength through this time i pray that this thing would be over soon yes and on the other side father be an incredible breaking forth of of uh, new evangelism and worship and community i pray all the things we learned about what it is to be the church during the pandemic would come into play in ways beyond what we could even ask or imagine now God, as Ian oversees this network of leaders, I pray you would sustain him in that and give him great energy for it, great insight for these people he serves. And so, Father, for all these and for the sake of these, your servants, for the sake of your name, for the sake of your gospel, for the sake of your kingdom, we pray uh, the abundance of grace and abundance of Holy Spirit provision and power for your glory for the benefit of your people for the for for the spread of your fame and we pray all these things in christ's name amen
0: amen mark thank you so much my friend i really appreciate this interview thank you for the prayer that was rich i know our people will appreciate it too and um if they want to get a hold of you for some reason what would be the best way for them to contact you i
1: um, if you go into my website mbuchanan.net yeah, there's a uh, an email there that uh, will go directly uh, my wife gets it and then she just passes it on to me but she's pretty quick on the draw on that so
0: perfect thank you in case they have comments or questions that's super thanks again mark lord bless you yeah thanks um, Sam. and thanks everyone for listening and uh i hope you uh, continue to move forward god has good things ahead for us we'll be back uh with another episode soon in the meantime god bless thanks again mark bye-bye Thank you for joining us for the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at lifelinks.org.